Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, Thanks again for being here. We are in the middle of this uh, series called Mastermind. And we've been saying, if you can change your thinking you can change your life. And really, we've been looking at the mind and the teachings of the Apostle Paul, and uh, we know that our thoughts are incredibly, incredibly powerful. There is a war going on, and it's often won or lost in our minds. And what comes into your mind is often lived out uh, through your life. It's almost impossible, really, to live a positive life when you're just so consumed with negative thoughts and negative thinking. And we learned last week that if you can't, and if you don't change the way that you're thinking, you can't change your life, right? Our thoughts do matter way more than most of us believe. In fact, our our, uh, passage that we've been kind of hanging this whole series on uh, is from the Apostle Paul in in 2 Corinthians 10. And I want to read that uh, again today, just to set a tone for our, our time. And Paul says this, he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We have different weapons, he says. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we have power from heaven to demolish the wrong patterns of thinking that plague so many of us and so many of our minds. And how do we do that? He says in the next verse, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, so often we are slaves to our thoughts. Any thought that's inconsistent with the truth of God's word, we need to grab it and make it our prisoner, right? We can't be a prisoner to the lies that Satan uh, tells us anymore. We take them captive and we make them obedient to Christ. Now, so far in this series, we've talked about how, uh, the power of the brain, the power of the mind that God's created and put in us. And for centuries, uh, we know that people thought that after adolescence, the brain was done, right? It, it, just, it just was done. But we know now that uh, it, it still evolves. Um, there's still growth there. There's something called neural pathways, right? Essentially, the more we think a thought, the easier it becomes to think that thought. It creates a, a pathway in our brain. And that's good news if we're thinking on things that are good and pure and holy and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy and admirable, as Paul would say, right? But, but unfortunately, the problem is many of us aren't thinking on those things, right? We're not thinking on things that are true and pure and right. And that makes it even easier to think on those negative thoughts. And it, it kind of grows. It's like a snowball. It gets bigger and bigger and more and more and easier and easier to think like that. It's a downward spiral. And so I want to introduce today another, another uh, idea that's been helpful to me, and uh, I am preaching this sermon to myself uh, today for sure. And it's this idea of a cognitive bias, okay? What, what's, a, what's a cognitive bias? Uh, a simple definition would be it's a, it's a mistake in reasoning based on personal preferences or beliefs. A mistake in reasoning based on personal preferences 
or beliefs. It could, it could be called a mental filter or a mental framework. See, when we have a cognitive bias, we've got a mental filter or, or filter or a mental framework that's not necessarily accurate. Okay, our, our wrong thought process or our wrong belief causes us to make mistakes or errors in judgment. And when we have this wrong uh, framework or this wrong mental filter, it distorts or discolors how we view the world. We end up with a cognitive bias, making wrong decisions based on wrong assumptions. And because of our personal beliefs that may not be true, we're biased in a certain direction. And that can cause all sorts of havoc in life. Right? When we're biased toward a, a certain direction on, on uh, truths or on, on things that aren't true, I should say. And that's why different people can respond differently to the exact same situation. Have you ever, have you ever seen that? Right? Two uh, different people, same situation, completely different responses. Right? Why is that? It's not the facts that change. So what is? What, what changes? It's the filter that we bring to it. It's not the facts that change. It's the filter. For example, you might, you might see this in the workplace. You might have a boss or a supervisor that, that sits down to uh, employees and, and gives them feedback in the exact same way, and they, they respond completely differently to it, right? Same situation, same, same type of feedback, completely different response. The first one uh, is completely offended. Uh, who, how dare he? Who does he think he is to, to come in here and tell me this and that and what for? You want some feedback? I'll give you some feedback, right? I mean, and that, that's, one, that's one response. And then the second guy, same exact situation, same type of feedback, they come out of there saying, you know what, that was hard to hear, but thank you. Uh, that, that was, that, you showed me something in my performance that I didn't see before, and now I can get better. Okay? Completely different, um, uh, situ or completely different responses, same situation. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter that we bring to it. Think about this, there might be two people that walked into church today, sitting side by side, and the first person comes in thinking, you know what, Christians are all hypocrites, they're a bunch of losers, right, they're the worst. The chances of you having a positive experience in church today, pretty low, right? Compared especially to the other person who comes in and says, you know what, Christians aren't perfect, but I love them anyways, right? And, and God can work in all types of different churches and all types of different people, I mean, that, that person is much more likely to have a positive experience in church today. It's not the facts that are different. The church didn't change, right? It's the filter that we bring to it. And this can even, this can even affect our relationship with God. And we know this. Studies show that your relationship with your earthly father can, can color or shape your relationship with your heavenly father. In other words, those of you that were blessed with a, a good dad who's full of compassion and involved and cares about the details— it might be easier for you to see God as a, as a good, uh, good God that's loving and compassionate and involved and in, in, you know, concerned about the details of life, as opposed to someone who had an earthly father that was judgmental or distant or abusive or, or legalistic or demanding, right? It's going to be much more difficult for you to see God as loving and caring and involved. It's not the facts that are different. It's not the facts that change. It's the filter that we bring to it. Now, last week, uh, we, Pastor Brian talked about meditating on, on truth and God's truth. And next week, we're going to be looking at the prayer component of the mind, and it's going to be great. But today, I want to talk about uh, something that's really been very helpful as I apply this to my life and as I uh, approach 
situations and relationships. And it's this idea of reframing. Reframing, what's, what's that? Well, reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation, a person, or relationship by uh, changing its meaning. Okay, let me say that again. It's creating a different way of looking at a situation, a person, or a relationship by changing its meaning. Okay, it's kind of like, and this is an old illustration, but it fits so perfectly. It's kind of like the little boy that just loved playing baseball. He loved playing baseball. And he, sa- he says, I'm the greatest hitter. I'm the greatest batter that's ever lived. And so he runs to the backyard, grabs his ball and grabs his bat. And he throws the ball in the air and swings as hard as he can. And he completely misses. Whiff, you know. And he says, that's okay. Everybody misses once. Everybody misses once. I'm still the greatest batter that's ever lived. And so he picks up the ball and throws it in the air, swings as hard as he can. And he misses a second time. And he says, it's okay, I'm still the greatest. And he picks up the ball for the third time, throws it in the air, and swings as hard as he can. And a third time, he misses. And he says, wow, I never knew. I'm the greatest pitcher that's ever lived. Because I just struck out the, the greatest batter in all of history. I'm the greatest at everything, right? It's simply changing the way we look at something by changing its meaning. Okay, it's cognitive restructuring. Or if you're kind of like me, kind of simple, it's just thinking different about it. Okay, now let's look at it this way. What kind of day are you going to have? What kind of day is it going to be? Is it going to be a great day? Is it going to be an average day? Is it going to be uh, kind of a pathetic day? What, what kind of day are you going to have? And it seems like an easy question, but the answer really depends. It depends on how you frame it. See, some of you, uh, you have a negative framework, a negative filter. And this is, this, this is going to just be a bad day, right? I hate being around these people. They're all, you know, a pain in the you-know-what, right? I hate going to these things. It never seems to work out. I try stuff, and it always fails. God's not all, really with me, right? Life's just bad, and it's going to get worse. That's, your, that's a lot of your framework. But what if this was your true framework? What if this was your true filter, when you say, what kind of day is it going to be? Well, God's with me. God's, God's good. I can sense his presence. I love being here. Yeah, some of these people are kind of weird, but I'm going, to, I'm going to choose to love them anyways. I'm going to see the best in them. Wherever I go, I'm going to choose to see the best. Right? What if that was your default filter? See, it depends on how we frame it. And if you're taking notes, you need to understand this, that you can't control what happens to you but you can control how you frame it. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Now, if there was anybody that was just great at this idea of reframing, it was the Apostle Paul. See, in fact, if you know his story, he had kind of a, a strategic plan laid out that he wanted to, to follow. And he says, God, if you, if you can get me to Rome to preach the gospel, gosh, then, then from there we can, we can reach the leaders there and we can spread the gospel Throughout the entire world, it would be amazing. It'd be awesome. And so that's what he kind of prayed for. And Paul, eventually, he does get to Rome, but not as a preacher. He gets to Rome as a prisoner, chained to Roman guards in house arrest, awaiting a possible execution. What he wanted didn't happen. And so how, how did Paul frame this? Because I think many of you might be right there. You had your plans laid out. You thought, if I could just get this degree, then I can get this job. And you got that degree, but the job you have, you're overqualified for, and it's in a completely different uh, area. And you're like, God, what, what happened? 
I don't understand. Where are you? Or you thought, you know what? I'm going I'm to marry my sweetheart, and it's just going to be great. And you married your sweetheart, and it went bad, and it didn't work out. And you're like, God, where, where are you? What happened? Right? Or maybe you, you thought, by this age, by such and such an age, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to be doing this. And you woke up at such and such an age, and you were way over here. You weren't doing this. You were doing that. And you're like, God, I don't understand. What happened to the plan? See, this is where Paul's at right now. He's saying, I wanted to be a preacher, but now I'm a prisoner. So again, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And this is what Paul could have said. This isn't in your Bible, so don't try and look it up, right? This is what Paul could have said. He could have said, you know what? Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me really sucks, right? It's just terrible. That's what he could have said. As a result of all the crap I've been through, right? I wanted to be a preacher. Now I'm in chains. As a result of all of that, I, I quit. I'm not going to church anymore. I give up, right? That's what Paul could have said but he didn't. How did, how did he actually frame this? Well, we see this in Philippians chapter one, starting in verse 12. This is what Paul actually says. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, again, wanted to be preacher, now I'm a prisoner. What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear to the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Oh, what, what everybody else thought was bad, it looks like I'm their prisoner. But I've got Roman soldiers chained to me eight hours a day, and I get a new one every eight hours. Who do you think the real prisoner is, right? You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. He says, I want you to know that what's happened to me started to advance the gospel. Then he goes on in the next verse, and he says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. A lot of people say, Paul, this is, this is really bad, but you have no idea. You have no idea. When I look at this situation through my God frame, I still see God working. I still see God moving. I still see that God is active and he's working. He's at work here. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Now, how do we live this out, though? Because I, I'm right here with you. You know, uh, uh, naturally, our thoughts tend to go toward the negative, toward, toward the critical. So how do we live this out? Well, there's three things I want to I talk about that, again, I've been applying to my own life as we walk through this, um, this series. And they've been really, really helpful. And the first thing is this. When things are really bad, whenever it's, whenever it's just a bad day, I don't like what's going on. I can thank God for what didn't happen. I can thank God for what didn't happen. Yeah, maybe something happened, but, but you know what? There's other things that are far worse that didn't happen. And I can thank God for that. Again, this is another uh, old illustration, but it fits so perfectly here. It's this, this story of a, a college girl who calls home and says, Mom, Dad, I need to have a serious conversation with you. And so she drives home from college and sits down with mom and dad. And, and, and she says, I got to be honest with you. I went, I went to a bar and I got drunk and I met a guy and now I'm pregnant with twins. Right? The good news, though, is he'll be off probation in a year. And 
uh, once he's out of rehab, you know, he has plans to get a job, but uh, we can't get married yet because again, he doesn't have a job, but, uh, but he's going to move in with me and we're going to try and raise these babies together. Um, you know, and, and of course, mom and dad's jaws just drop. Right? It just hits the floor and she pauses and says, everything I just told you wasn't, wasn't true. The truth is, I got a D in chemistry. I just wanted you to know that things could be a lot worse. Right, sometimes we have to thank God for what didn't happen, right? Some 19-year-old taking notes like, Pastor Jason is on fire today. I don't recommend that tactic, right? So you didn't get the project in on time, so you're not getting the bonus this year, right? Thank God you still have a job. Thank God you're still employed, right? You, you, maybe you got in a car wreck and that's gonna be a pain. It's gonna cost money. It's gonna take a lot of time. Thank God nobody got hurt, okay? Just thank God for that. Or, you know, there's not much more frustrating than, than a delayed airplane at the airport, I heard a pastor say uh, recently that he would rather be on the ground wanting to be up in the air than in a broken plane in the air wanting to be on the ground. Right? You got to thank God for what didn't happen. Now, the next thing we can do, and this is one that I am learning, learning, learning right now, is to start practicing pre-framing, right? Pre-framing the situation. That's, that's your filters, that's your frame. It, it determines how you see the world, how you feel, and often what you do. And what I want to do is I want to choose the frame before the event, okay? Instead of getting there and letting my default frame, which is typically negative or critical, take over, I want to choose the frame before the event, the right frame. Because if I don't, I have a tendency to, to take what could be a positive uh, experience and turn it into a negative, Right? So I want to choose the frame ahead of time. Now, uh, recently, just this past week or so, our youngest son, Grayson, uh, graduated kindergarten. Yeah, all the moms go, oh, that's so cute. All the dads are like, seriously? <laughs> kindergarten graduation? I can think of a thousand places I would rather be than in a smelly, cramped uh, middle school gym with a bunch of crying little brothers and sisters watching a fake graduation... <laughs> right? For an hour. There's a lot of things. And if I'm honest, that's what I thought when I heard this was on the calendar and we were doing this. All right. But as, as we got closer to it, I started thinking, what kind of son is Grayson? What kind of son is he? He's the one that just wants mom and dad to play Legos with him. He's the one that begs and pleads to, to stay up just a little later, even have an extra devotional time just to spend more time with mom and dad. He loves our presence. And so having us both there meant the world to him, right? He walks in, he sits down, and he's kind of scanning the, the crowded gym, and his eyes find us, and his face just lights up. He smiles, and he waves, and he smiles some more, and he waves some more, and it's like, Grayson, people are going to start staring, all right? <laughs> calm down, calm down. But it meant so much to him. And this idea of pre-framing that situation helped me to see that situation for what it was. It was a memory, right? It was a memory of dad showing up. And 20 years down the line, he may not remember that I showed up specifically for his kindergarten graduation, but he's going to remember that 
dad showed up. Dad showed up at important things, right? And so later, um, he brought home all of his stuff from school that year. And amongst all of the, the papers and everything, there was another picture uh, that he showed me. And it's this one. Every superhero has a nickname. I call mine Daddy. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And I, and I thought, wow, what a, what a great reminder of why it's important to show up. And so maybe it was trying to get more, uh, you know, for my sermon this morning. So I, I asked him, hey, Grayson, why is, Daddy, why is Daddy your superhero? You know, he says to me, he looks at me, smiles. He says, they made me take that picture, Dad. <laughs> right? My world was shattered. It was completely shattered. But here's the thing. I can choose how I frame that. You're like, good luck. No, I can choose. I can choose how I frame that. What, what an opportunity, though, to live for that to be true, right? What, a, what an opportunity to live for that to be true, what kind of difference would that make in my son's life? Every superhero has a nickname. I call mine daddy. Right? So what do we do to reframe a situation? Well, first, uh, we, we thank God for what didn't happen. Second, we practice pre-framing. So important. And the third thing that we're going to do is we're going to look for God's goodness. We're going to look for God's goodness. But to do that, uh, here's the thing. We need to be aware. It's, it's hard to see God's goodness if you're just focused on yourself and on your things. So how, how aware are you? That's kind of a strange question because you're, you're aware of what you're aware of, right? You don't know what you don't know. Well, there's a test for that. So let's take an awareness test together here uh, for just a minute. Let's take a look. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? Isn't that great? That's funny. How many of you actually saw the bear the first time? Oh, yeah, good job, good job. See, here's the promise, and I, I know this firsthand. I know this firsthand. You will find what you're looking for. You will find what you're looking for. If you want to see the bad, you're going to find bad, right? If you want to see negative, you're going to find things to be negative about. If you want to be critical, you can pick apart any organization any group, any church, any person, right? If you, if you, wanna, if you want that to uh, be what your life is characterized by, you can be like the rest of the world and have, uh, tend toward the critical and the negative and have bad relationships and tend to, to go toward the bad instead of leaning toward what's good, right? That, that can happen. 
very easily. Or on the other hand, you can look for where God's working. And if you look for where God's working, guess what? You're going to see him working. You're going to see him working. You can choose to look for the good in people. And guess what? Your relationships are going to change. How you view people is going to change. Your attitude is going to change. Your, your impact in the world is going to change. Your perspective is going to change because you find what you're looking for. But you need to be aware, it is easy to miss what you're not looking for. So we need this cognitive reframing, this cognitive restructuring. It's really interpreting your circumstances based on the truth of God's word. Right? And a good counselor will tell you this, that you, you determine the meaning of what happens to you. Right? You determine the meaning of what happens to you. And I'm going to add this uh, for us here today that you determine the meaning, but let Jesus help you determine the meaning of what happens. Let him help you. It's, this whole thing is really like the difference between two birds, a vulture and a hummingbird. What do vultures find? They find carcasses, gross stuff, roadkill, right? Why? Because that's what they're looking for. And what, what do hummingbirds find? They find nectar and sweet things. Why? Because that's what they're looking for. You're going to find what you're looking for. Look for goodness and the goodness of God, and you're going to see the goodness of God. Look for problems and, and, complain, and things to complain about. You're going to find plenty of that stuff. So let Jesus help you determine the meaning of what's happening uh, in your life. Now, this is, I've shared this before, but this is such an issue of mine. Um, I, my mind immediately goes to what's, what's wrong, What's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this plan? It could be the best laid plan on the planet. And my mind immediately goes to, where, where are the wheels going to fall off on this, on this journey, right? And so I've been learning, it takes work to appreciate the good first. It takes intentionality. It takes awareness. It takes awareness of the person you're talking to. It takes intentionality to go there first. But what a reward when that becomes your default. When you go to the good first, right? So what kind of day are you going to have? Is it going to be the worst day ever? Or are you going to start thanking God for what didn't happen? Are you going to start pre-framing your day with the right frame? And you're going to start looking for God's goodness first instead of going straight to the negative with me. Now here's the problem. So many people see the bad because that's what they're focused on. So where, where does that mistake happen in our minds? See, I, I think it happens when we look at the world and we try to interpret our circumstances uh, or interpret God through our circumstances, meaning this is bad, this is happening, so God's bad. Right? But there's another way to look at the world. There's another way to interpret that. And it's looking at your circumstances through the goodness of God, through, through the God frame, if you will. Then you can recognize even on a bad day, even when things aren't going well, even whenever it's, it's just not good, He's still involved. He's still there. He's still active. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Even in the worst of circumstances, our God is still good because the facts don't change. It's our filter that changes. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we frame it. And really, if we can change our thinking around these things, we can change our lives. It's so, so important. Let's pray together. God, help us uh, renew our minds with your truth. 
And I wonder this morning, how many are like me? And again, I'm preaching this to, to, my, to myself because I need, a, I need to live uh, differently. I need a better frame on life. I need a better filter. I wonder how many are like me this morning that, that are, uh, need, a new, uh, need a new frame as well. God, I pray for all of those that, uh, according to your word, that we wouldn't be conformed to the, the patterns of the world any longer, but we would be transformed by the, the renewing of our minds through, through your word. And God, we thank you that you give us weapons from heaven that have the power to destroy and demolish the wrong patterns of thinking that are in all of our heads. So God, help us restructure our thoughts this morning, this week, this year. Not not just choose the meaning, but help or let Jesus help us define the meaning and choose the meaning of what happens to us. God, help us and empower us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to you. God, you're so good to us and you've given us so many things. Help us to thank you for what didn't happen. Help us to pre-frame and choose the right frame before. God, help us to focus on your goodness and look for your goodness. Be aware of your goodness all around us. God, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen.